0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. How is everybody this evening? Amen. You picked the best place in Barstow to be on a Wednesday night in September. Or any other month of the year. But praise God, we are uh, going to continue our Wednesday night series we've started. It's called Call of Duty Spiritual Warfare. And whether you realize it or not, or even whether you acknowledge it or not, it doesn't matter. We're at war. And so, uh, I mean, that it would be better for you, it would be in your best interest to realize that you do have an enemy, that there is warfare going on, and uh, and you should probably... Do something about that. You don't want to just stand there in the middle of an active war zone while there's all this stuff going on around you and do nothing about it. And so tonight, what we're going to get into and what we're going to study is what Ephesians chapter six calls the armor of God. Has anybody ever heard of the armor of God? Now, obviously, if you are going to be a soldier and go out into a battlefield you ought to know a little bit something about your armor. You ought to know a little bit of something about your gear. You should know what it is, what it's for and how to use it. Now, as we get into this, I give this disclaimer. Typically, I am a preacher, not much of a teacher. Tonight's a teaching lesson. All right. And so this is this is a little bit different uh, for me because we're going to really break down some stuff and I'm going to teach on the armor of God. So usually uh, I'm, I'm, you know, going all over the place preaching, but uh, tonight is going to be more of a teaching moment. So it's going to be deep. We're going to cover a lot. And I don't really know if we're going to get through all the armor of God tonight. I'm going to try, but I, we may not get through all of it tonight, but I do encourage you. Take some notes, man. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be throwing a lot of stuff out there. I'm gonna definitely be going off of my notes a lot more than I usually would because this, this is a deep thing. Because I found out that most people, you know, I can sit here and name the armor of God and everyone's like, yeah, man, you know what it is. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. You've heard of all these things, but when it comes down to it and we ask you, so what is the belt of truth for? I don't know, but it sounds pretty cool. I want one. But, okay, well, we should probably know what it is. Because yet again, I repeat, we are not making up the fact That there is spiritual warfare, you do have an enemy, and, and whether you acknowledge it or not, it's real. In our first lesson on this a few weeks ago, we talked about how, I mean, can you imagine if somebody, they made it through boot camp, you know, in the army or marines or whatever, and then, you know, you, you go through your next school or however that works, and they say, okay, we're sending you out to this war zone in Iran or wherever it is they're going. And the person's like, I mean, I don't see the point. We real? There's really there's no war going on, and they're like, yes, there is. We need you to go fight ISIS. Ah, uh, they're, they're they don't they're not even real. <laughs> what? Well, I don't see the point. They aren't even real. You guys are just making this up. It's a figment of your imagination. And everybody else is like, they're real. They are real. Whether you choose to believe in it or not, because th- the truth of the matter is also this: the majority of Americans believe that there is a God. Now, I would not say the majority of Americans are born again Christians, but at the same time, most of the populace believes that there is a higher power or a God. And, and, you know, they need to submit their lives and accept his son, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, obviously. But when asking the exact same people, is there a devil? I mean, just a just a small fraction of the same people would say that there's actually a devil. What in the world? You know, the devil is just as real as God is. Now, obviously, God's more powerful. God is obviously, you know, everything to us. But God's real. But there's also an enemy that's real. thats He's not just some little guy with a pitchfork and little horns and a tail that sits on your shoulder and tells you, you know, to steal candy bars from the gas station. He's a real thing. And until you acknowledge that fact, you're going to have probably zero success in your battles. Because if you don't even believe that the enemy is real, you don't know what to pray for, how to pray, who's attacking you. You think that people are your problems. You think that this over here is your problem. You think bad luck is your problem. You think that you just got dealt a bad hand in life. But what you don't realize is that the enemy is attacking you and you should stand up and do something about it. And so tonight... We're going to break down the armor of God and this will be detailed. And to fully understand the armor of God, you need to realize that Paul back here in Ephesians six, you know, he's referencing these pieces of armor and what he's relating to is the Roman soldier. Right. Because that's who was in charge back then was these Roman soldiers. And for us, we read things like, well, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the helmet and, 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 and he lists all these different pieces of body armor. And some of us, I think it flies right over our heads because we don't see Roman soldiers cruising the streets every day like these guys did. They they did not have to stretch their imagination to know exactly what Paul was talking about. But for us, we you know we see modern warfare, modern soldiers and a lot of these things. I mean, I have no idea what some of these things are unless I study them because I don't live in the ancient Roman Empire. Do you? Okay, so you're going to have to study this like I did, and we're going to have to learn some stuff. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians six. Amen. Amen. We're going to learn some stuff, but it would do you a lot of good to realize what all this armor is that God gave to you and learn how to use it. Isn't it nice when someone gives you an amazing gift and you're like, this is awesome. What is it? I I don't get what is this? Uh. You know, and that's happened to me before. I mean, I'm sure it was a very nice gift and very expensive, but I have no idea what it is. And a lot of people, they're like, man, I love the armor of God. I don't really know what any of it is, but man, it sounds awesome, dude. It sounds incredible. Well, let's learn what it is, how to use it. And I'll bet you could actually start winning some battles if you'll figure this stuff out. So Ephesians 6. We're going to look at verses 11 through 17 I'll mainly be in the New King James tonight. (coughs) And it says this, excuse me. Put on the whole armor of God. You mean I don't just need my sword? No, you need the whole armor of God, man. You don't just need your, your offensive weapon. You need some defense. Put on the entire thing, not just one piece. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And if you break down all these different things—the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age—all these different things, these are different levels of demonic forces. Okay? There are different types of angels described in Scripture. We got warring angels. We got the cherubim. We got we got uh, the we've got uh, archangel. Listen. There's different classes of angel if you really want to get deep and break this down, but there's also different classes of the demonic army also. And if all this just sounds wild and, and, you know, far-fetched and out there, I promise you, I'm not a far-fetched guy. I'm not, you know, I'm not some, you know, a spooky dude. I, I'm just, this, it's, it's real. It's real. And so, he just listed several different classes and different types of demons. And so, verse 13, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. There it is again. He keeps telling you, you need you need all of it. The helmet of salvation is great, but you need to do more than just protect your head. You need to protect every other part of you. And so take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Have any of you ever witnessed the evil day? I have. I have. I think you probably have, too. There's been some days where you're just like, what is going on here? What is this? Everywhere I turn, there's another hit. And and, and listen, that's the evil day. That is spiritual warfare. Listen to me. Not everything's the devil. And I've, I've talked to some people and I'm like, listen, you're doing a fine enough job screwing your life up. You don't even need the devil's help. You're You're just doing it all on your own. You do your thing. okay? the devil can just go mess with someone else because you're just you're 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 messing it up fine on your own. He does not need your help. But most of the time what's going on is we are facing a spiritual enemy here. And so take out the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we've just quickly read the armor of God, but now we need to break this stuff down so you can figure out how to put it on and actually use it. One time I took a tour of a fire department and they they start bringing out all this different gear and like, look, here's all of our gear. They've got jackets and belts and vests and all. I'm like, this is so cool, man. This is awesome. What is I don't know what what's this for? Can you explain it? Because that's about the same way we are with the armor of God. There's all these different pieces and they're awesome and cool and neat. But we seriously need to know what they are. It would do the fireman no good to not even know which piece goes where and what it's for, I mean, he would go into a very life-threatening situation completely unprepared. And a lot of us, we're facing battles that are way over our heads. Way over our heads. They are beyond us. And thank God we know to call on the name of the Lord, but wouldn't it do us some good to find out and figure out how to use the weapons and the defenses that he's given us. It's in there. He gave you the instructions. He, he told you exactly what to do. All of us. And we need to learn this. So, number one, let's get into this. The first piece that it mentions here is called the Belt of Truth. And that's in verse 14. It says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. We call this the Belt of Truth. Now, most of us, especially, I mean, in our Western civilization, Belt of truth. I'm thinking, okay, uh, would you go down to Walmart and buy a leather belt for $4.99? Like, what about, is it a three? Listen, the belt that the Roman soldier wore was not a one inch wide belt from Walmart. This was a huge belt. This was, I, I should have put pictures of all this up here. I was having trouble finding some pictures that I liked for some of it. But listen to me. For the Roman soldier, the belt is the most noticeable Piece of his armor. It is actually the central piece that holds all the rest securely in place and provides for every need during the battle. And on this belt, maybe you've seen, you can picture a a Roman soldier, but leather straps hung down from the front of the belt to protect the soldier. And you may think it looks like a skirt or something. I wouldn't say that to the Roman soldier because they'll get that two-edged sword out anyway. So you don't want to call him, you know. Anyway, so you got these straps of leather that hang down and kind of protect everything down there. And, and this is all part of the belt. The belt is the central piece of the armor. And the waist strap was really, really wide. So it would protect his organs and have an extra layer of protection right there. And it was also the place where the soldier kept his sword. So the belt of truth is very essential to the soldier's warfare. But how do we use it? What, what does it mean to us spiritually? Well, did he just say, put on your belt? No, he said, put on the belt of truth, the belt of truth. So what is the belt of truth? Well, obviously it's truth. How do we put this on? Well, look at this. What is truth? OK, let's establish that because if I need to walk in truth and I need to put on truth and if truth is going to absolutely guard me and be a central piece to protecting me from the devil, what is truth? Thank you for asking. I am, man, you guys are on top of it. Smart. Smart. I like it. John 17. John 17. Let's get there. John 17, because fortunately, Jesus told us what truth is. And we know that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but by me. So obviously, Jesus himself is truth. But John 17, look at verse 17. And John 17 is a beautiful chapter of the Bible. The whole thing is Jesus praying to God and he's praying for his disciples and he's praying for us because he says, Lord, Father, I'm not just praying for these that are with me right now. I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me. And so, John 17 is a prayer that Jesus was praying about you. And he's, and, it, and it, it's for right now in 2018. But John 17 verse 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So, how would we put on the belt of truth obviously you're going to have to get into the word to put on the belt of truth because that is truth and so somebody that never spends any time in the word they definitely don't have the belt of truth on and that's the very first piece of armor I mean, that's the very first thing that it mentions in this whole thing. That's the central piece to kind of tie everything else in is this belt that protects you from here all the way down to your ankles. It's a huge thing. And so somebody that never reads the Bible and then says, yeah, man, I'm ready for some spiritual combat. No, you are not. You're nowhere near ready. Just get back in and leave this to the big boys. okay? you're not ready. You're going to get your lunch handed to you. And I know we keep saying things like this throughout this series, but if you never pick up that, if you never get into the Word of God, you don't even know what truth is. And then no wonder somebody could come up and tell you, yeah, well, I believe that blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, man, that sounds right. And it could be a complete lie from the pit of hell, but you wouldn't know because you never get in. You don't have the belt of truth on. You'll believe lies from people and you will definitely believe lies from the enemy he'll come in and say you know what god probably caused this to happen to you and you're sitting there yeah that's right that's he probably did here i am i'm and i'm doing all this stuff and yet, yeah, yeah i don't even know listen if you have the belt of truth on you'd be ready for this stuff and the belt of truth living in truth you, you've got to, you've got to get into this man it can't just be well i I read a verse last week i'm good to go I, I, i read a verse yesterday i mean if you want victory in your life you are gonna have to take the word of god seriously no way around it no way around that i would say that your level of victory in life is direct correlation to your level of word time and your love for the word of god I mean, again, this all ties into what we're talking about on Sundays, discipleship. I mean, you, I mean, you can be born again, you can go to heaven and, and not re- I don't, I don't see how you would want to, but I'm just saying, you could go to heaven without being somebody that totally pours over scripture every day. I don't know why you would want to be like that, but if you believe in Jesus and even accept Him as your Lord and Savior and you're living for Him, by all means, you're a, you're a born, you're a convert, you're a born-again Christian, you qualify. But there's no way you'll have victory. You will get it handed to you day after day after day. You'll believe lies from the devil, from your friends, from your enemies, from the news, from everywhere. You'll believe and you'll fall for it. And it will be so cleverly disguised that someone could come in and tell you something that sounds like a scripture and you'd believe it and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You know, God won't give me more than I can handle. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You know. You know, all these stupid things that you think are actual Bible verses, but they are not. I mean, you know, it's, cleanliness is a great thing. I think Praise God. We've got clean people in the house tonight, and I'm thankful for that. You're godly and you're clean. That's great. But the Bible doesn't say that cleanliness is next to godliness. But at the same time, you'll fall for little things like that, that 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 may sound clever. And listen, you, you've got to have the belt of truth on. How do you put it on? You put it on by spending time in the word of God. So just as the belt was the Roman soldier's central protective piece, the Word of God needs to be our central protective piece. It will protect you and it will save your life. I'm going to say that one more time because I'm teaching tonight and I am not preaching. I'm teaching. Just as the belt was the Roman soldier's central protective piece, the Word of God needs to be your central protective piece. It needs to be there. So the next thing I'm going to get into here is the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. Anybody, you know, you walk, you have a breastplate. I mean, I don't I don't have an actual one, but it sounds really neat. But uh, verse 14 here, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, let me explain the breastplate to you for the Roman soldier. Each breastplate was custom made for the soldier that wore it. They didn't have some factory and, you know, they made it, you know, 10,000 breastplates a day and they just popped them out of the conveyor belt. Each one was individually made. For that particular soldier, often a cast was made of the man's torso. This casting was then used to make a replica of the torso. The replica was overlaid with brass that was beaten to conform to the details of the torso. So listen, they took this serious. This was an individual, very serious piece of equipment that each soldier was to wear. Breastplates were often made very elaborate with additional decorations and polished to be like a mirror that was blinding in the sunshine. And so, they, I mean, it was a it was a cool deal, and uh, and and they put a lot of detail into this. Well, why why put that much, why, why was it so important that you would? I mean, out of the thousands of Roman soldiers, each one was made differently. Why? Because the breastplate. Covers the heart. You can sustain some foot injuries. You can't sustain a whole lot of heart injuries. We've talked about this. You better take care of your heart. Physically, of course, of course, absolutely. You get stabbed in the heart, your chances of survival go down drastically. But spiritually speaking, you can't endure too many heart hits before something bad's going to happen to you. And by heart, we mean spirit. Okay, the word heart nine times out of ten in Scripture is referring to the human spirit, unless it's very obviously, you know, this guy got stabbed in the heart in the Old Testament. Then it would be talking about the physical heart. But nine times out of ten, when it says guard your heart, that's talking about your spirit, because I know a lot of great people that don't guard their heart. They let anything and anyone have access to their heart, to their spirit. They let people speak into their lives. They'll listen to anybody and everything. They'll let bitterness and rage and anger and and strife and, and unforgiveness get a hold of their spirit. And then it begins to control everything that they do. Some people, they'll let greed get control of their heart. They'll let, I mean, lust. They will lust. And it gets control, not to the point. I mean, it's it's far beyond just where you know they're looking at some that lust literally controls this person's heart. That that's fatal. That'll kill you off spiritually. That's a heart hit. That's a stab to the heart. And God says, "You better guard yourself, man. That that will kill you." Proverbs four twenty three. Proverbs four verse twenty three. One of my favorite Bible verses. And we just we did a whole sermon on this just a couple weeks ago, so I know it's fresh in your memory, right? Because I mean, you just you loved that, you learned so much from it, right? Thanks, Jesse. All right, <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. Proverbs four, verse twenty three, and it tells us this. And you better realize the truth in this verse, Proverbs four twenty three. In the New Living Translation, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It affects everything you do, one translation says. The King James says, for out of it flow the issues of life. Your heart is so important, physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, your heart, you guard it above everything else. And I talked about this. I know some people, I mean, they'll spend thousands of dollars to guard their house and their earthly possessions. They'll 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 put their money in the safest bank and and they'll 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 guard their money and their possessions and their valuables. I mean, with everything they've got. And then their heart, they just they throw it out there, man. Yeah, we could go ahead and watch that on TV. I mean, yeah, just tell the kids to not look at this scene. Like you're letting that into your heart, man. You're not guarding your heart. That's how you get lust in your, in your, in your heart. That's how you get these bad words popping through your mind all the time. When you haven't guarded your heart and something bad happens to you, the first thing that wants to come out of your mouth is an ungodly word, right? But, I mean, if you've been having the belt of truth on, you've been guarding your heart, listen, something bad happens and, and you can testify to this. You're like, oh man, praise the Lord. Wow, didn't see that coming. Hallelujah. Let's, let's get into some prayer right now. Come on. That's what happens if you've been guarding your heart. But if you haven't been guarding your heart, something bad happens and you just go ballistic. You say things you shouldn't say. And, 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 and worse than curse words, you start speaking words of doubt and defeat. And questioning God, questioning his word. Well, it says this, but I, I wouldn't know it. It doesn't work for me. Whoa. As much And you know, my pet peeve is curse words. I don't do curse words. I've told you that. But I'd probably rather hear a curse word than hear you accuse God of being a liar. And some people do that. Well, I just says it, but not. I wouldn't know it. It doesn't work for me. I did that and it didn't work. Well, then, no, you didn't. If you did it and it didn't work, then you didn't do it. Does that make sense? Because God's not a liar. And if God said, if you do this, I promise you that I'll make this happen in your life. And then you sit there and say, well, I did and it didn't happen. Something went wrong somewhere, but it wasn't on his end. And I I mean, there's things in my life that I don't I don't know. every I don't understand everything. I don't know every reason why everything's ever happened in my life. But I'm not stupid enough to sit here and say, God, you were wrong. You lied to me. You said it somewhere along the way. I guarantee you, Pastor Dave Samples fouled it up somewhere in the process, but God didn't screw it up. And I'm not I'm not too proud to admit that. But if some if God's word said to do something and I feel like I did it and, and his promise didn't happen somewhere, I screwed it up. But I'm not going to accuse God of being a liar. I'm not going to accuse God's word of not being true and not working somewhere. It was me. Now, maybe in your life, you do you. All right. You know, hey, you, you, you can judge yourself, but I'm judging me. And there have been times that I have messed the process up. And then I can look back and say, but I did this. And you're like, yeah, you did this, but you're doing this, too. Anyway, sorry. I think I need the shield of faith right now because there's some daggers coming my way. Just get it out here. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And one even I mean, you open up your spirit to anybody. I, I don't understand how in the world some people are out there Getting into romantic relationships with someone that's not even a born again Christian. Okay, let's go. Let's just. Some of these kids, man, these teenagers and young adults. Yeah. You know, oh man, she's beautiful and like, she's she's never been to church before. But I mean, I tell you what, uh, she she can't even spell God. But wow, she is it. She's beautiful and she's so sweet. She's a child of the devil, till he meet her dad. All right. So, guard your spirit. Talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Guard your spirit. Don't play around with sin and evil because it's the same thing as a stab to your heart. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. And I'm not going to let the devil mess with my righteousness. Now, holiness is what I do for God. Okay? Jesus made me righteous. You get that? Jesus made, he said in in 2 Corinthians 5, that I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness was what Jesus did for me. Now, holiness, that's something that I've got to work out myself and I've got to choose to live a holy life. I can't make myself any more righteous than I'd be self-righteous. Jesus made me righteous. Amen? And so I stand here and I don't, without any sense of pride or anything, I can say that I am a righteous person. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a righteous person also. Nobody, I mean, you are as righteous as you can get. Now, holiness, that's something that I've got to do. That's my gift to God, living a holy life. But righteousness, I have been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And a lot of people think that righteous and holy are the same thing. They are not. You cannot make yourself righteous. Jesus did that. He cleaned your spirit. Okay, Jesus cleaned your spirit, but you're responsible for cleaning your body because you're a three part being, right? You uh, let's just do this real quick. You yourself, according to Genesis 126, you're made in the image of God. God is a three part being father, son, Holy Spirit. Well, then obviously you're a three part being spirit soul and body you are a trinity you're not the holy trinity don't go there but you are a triune being. you're a trinity you're a spirit soul and body and so uh i mean we could get into this but here's the body we've all got this and that's what most of us think we think this is the real us and that's not the real us. that's just part of us but then there's your soul which breaking it down is your mind, will, and emotions. Most people think that spirit and soul are the same thing. They're not because Ephesians 4.12 says the Word of God is alive, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides between soul and spirit. And Paul, he talked about in several places, he says, I pray that God will sanctify you wholly, your whole spirit, soul, and body. So Hebrews and Paul in several places made very definite No two ways about it, distinction that there is spirit, soul and body. So most people think that your soul and your spirit are the same thing. Really, they're not. Your soul is your mind, your will and emotions. The sad thing is that most people are controlled by their soul. They're controlled by their emotions. And that's why they face defeat after defeat after defeat, because when you really when you when you really understand it, when you get down to it, and I'm working on it, I'm not there yet, but listen to me. When you really get down to this, you're born again spirit. That's where the victory's at. Because Jesus is right there. He took care of that. Jesus made you righteous. You if you will listen to your spirit, to your heart, on the inside of you, you're in good shape. But most of us don't listen to our heart. We listen to our mind, our head. And so our mind says, I'm gonna buy I just woke up five minutes ago, I can already tell it is gonna be a bad day. You can already tell. I feel it! It's gonna be bad! And you're, you just, your little moody self just ruined your whole day. Before you even got out of bed. Or, you know, you're going along fine, I just had some good word time, praise God, and then sure enough you get to work and somebody ticks you off and there goes the whole day because you are controlled by your soul, your emotions. If you're controlled by your spirit, somebody would be rude to you and say, you know what? You know what? God's Word says to turn the other cheek. It says to love my neighbor as myself. It says to forgive as I have been forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says to make allowance for each other's faults. So you know what? I could choose to be really angry right now, but I choose to forgive. Amen? That's what the Spirit-led person will do. But somebody that's controlled by their soul. You were never meant to be controlled by your soul, yet probably 90. 9% of the population is controlled by their soul. They are emotionally driven. And our emotions make terrible decisions. You'll quit jobs before you should quit them. You'll change churches. You'll leave a spouse. You'll berate your children. You'll do all kinds of stupid things when you are controlled by the soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so, guard your heart. Above all else, and you've you've gotta you've gotta choose to live a holy life. God does not force you to do that. You're free to live as holy or unholy as you want to. Hey, that's totally up to the individual. But if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, second Corinthians chapter five. Who wants to put your boots on? Let's get to the boots of peace. Yeah. They look like timberlands when you No, I'm kidding. Uh, verse 15 of that, Ephesians chapter 6. It tells us this. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the Roman soldiers' boots, listen to me. They weren't just, you know, some pair of work boots. They weren't some pair of cowboy boots. They weren't some vans you bought down there at the Tanger Outlet Mall. They, listen. The Roman soldiers' boots, believe it or not, they were defensive for protection. They were also offensive as a weapon. The Roman boots were incredible pieces of equipment. And we just stumbled right over this. All right, uh, shod my feet. Well, I don't know what shod means, but uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, all right. Hey, I like peace. I like the gospel. And I like boots. Okay, I got them on. Well, listen, we need to explain this a little bit. And so... Great care was taken by Rome to supply the soldiers with the right footwear for their job. Their shoes or boots consisted of a neatly cut and laced sandal. That sole was layers of metal and leather with nail spikes extending one half inch and in some cases inches from the sole to plant into the ground to keep them from being moved. And so they've got some stinking spikes on the bottom of these boots, okay, and they can get planted into the ground because this warfare is a lot different back then. You're not shooting a target from a hundred miles away with a button. And I'm all for that. That's sweet. That's awesome. The new space force thing's kind of cool too. But anyway, so here we go. Uh, but but listen to me. This was hand to hand combat, and so we're, when I when I explain the shield later on, this will make more sense. But these boots, man, they were. I mean, spikes, sometimes several inches on the bottom, they were planted into the ground. So you could stand your ground, as we've already read to stand. Therefore, they would stand their ground with these things planted. Now, I said they're defensive, but these boots, they're also offensive. Who wants to get kicked by somebody with spikes like this? And we're not talking about like, you know, uh, plastic t-ball cleats here. We're talking about metal spikes that could get kicked into you, man, and absolutely be very brutally, brutally painful. And at times, uh, I mean, could, uh, could kill you. So we think, oh man, the boots of peace. Well, that sounds cute. That sounds, give me some of them. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> They're more than that. They are more than that. And these boots also protected the shin. And, and and they looked almost like the soldier was wearing a shin guard. Maybe you've seen a picture again of a Roman soldier, but they came way up here like this. And so the boots were an incredible piece of armor that, again, they were both offensive and defensive. And uh, and I and, and, and most of us, we have no idea how to actually put on these boots of the gospel of peace. So verse 15, again, it says these shoes come from. The gospel, the good news, the good news, the gospel. And let's talk about boots for just a minute. This will probably be the last piece of the armor I get to tonight. And here I was thinking I was going to get through all of it. That was that was pretty stupid. But we're going to have to continue probably next week after this. But shoes, what are, shoes represent that you're going somewhere. I mean, think about it. Shoes. Uh, I, if I'm just going to stand in my house, I don't usually go and put my shoes on. I I mean, I'm not really going anywhere. I'll just take my shoes off and and lounge. I don't really care. But if I'm going somewhere, I'm going to put my shoes on. And in fact, they'll kick you out of most 7-Elevens if you don't have any shoes on. You, You need them. Anyway, so, tough crowd tonight. So, listen to me. Shoes represent... That you're going somewhere. You're not just staying there, waiting for. Well, I'm in my house, and we'll just see what happens here. And uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm off today. I'm not. Shoes represent that you're going somewhere. But it says these are the shoes that the, the, the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you put on these shoes of the gospel of peace, the boots, by going and taking the good news to others. Sh- boots, going somewhere. Gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus. Put that together, one plus one equals the gospel. It means you're actually going out and spreading the gospel. Uh, how many? Uh, we're not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many Christians do you think actually are truthfully wearing the boots of the gospel of the preparation of peace? Now, a lot are, but not every Christian is doing this, because I've been shocked at the amount of Christians that I that I've talked to that I'm like, how have you, and I'm not, I'm not ever being mean about it. Never. I, I'm never being mean about it. But it, it shocked me the times that I've asked, how have you ever prayed with somebody to lead them in a prayer of salvation? And it, it has floored me how many Christians have never led somebody else to Jesus. And that's, not, again, that's not making fun, but but how can you say that you have the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace on? You're not, you're not, you're not doing it. They're not on. Part of your key to victory is learning that it's not all about you. It is not all about you. Part of being a victorious Christian is actually going somewhere and sharing gospel, helping somebody else out with their problems. And a lot of Christians, you know, believe me. Believe me. Now I'm not you know we got a tr- great church full of people in here. tonight. you're the you're a Wednesday night crowd. You're committed believers. OK, seriously, I'm not just trying to, you know, uh, butter you up here. But seriously, we got a committed. These are we got some real Christians in this place tonight. And it's awesome. But believe me when I say the majority of people and the majority of Christians, they've got good hearts. The Lord loves them. They don't do a whole lot to go share the gospel. They do not do a whole lot to go help other people. With their problems, they're just sitting there taking hit after hit from the devil, trying to survive life. And I, I don't want to survive life. I want to dominate this thing and kick it in the butt. I want to absolutely be. It would be nice to be a conqueror, but thank God Romans eight thirty seven tells me that I can be more than a conqueror because I am so cool. No, through Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with me. And it has nothing to do with you. But listen, you're you're not going to be a successful Christian. You're not going to win very many battles. And you definitely don't have the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace on. If you never go and share the gospel and you never go and somebody, I mean, you're at work and someone's just telling you all their problems. And a lot of times it's something that you've been through. They're pouring out their relationship problems onto you. Their, their financial problems. And you're sitting right there and God brought you through that exact same thing and you don't say nothing. You don't give God any glory for the time He saved your marriage, for the time He healed you of that very same thing. You sit there with your mouth shut. Huh? Why would we do that? You've We've got so many open doors. We've got so many golden opportunities that just land in our lap every day, and we don't take advantage of them. Because we think, well, I'm not called to preach, so I don't think I could go out and share the gospel of peace with people. Man, the people at your work, the people in your household, your net, listen, you have opportunity after opportunity that's just golden set up for you. When somebody comes and says, yeah, I tell you what, man, we're going through a hard time right now, me and my kids, and, and, and you, you've been through that, and you're not gonna say anything, or maybe you haven't even been through it, but you at least know what the Word of God says. You could at least give them some sort of hope, yet we say nothing. Listen, you don't have to be a full-time preacher, you don't have to go get a tent and put on tent revivals all across the Midwest. Listen to me, stop. It's not that hard. But part of the armor of God is you Realizing, hey, I need to, I need to put these on. I need to go tell, I need to go give a reason for the hope that's within me. I need to go tell somebody for God so loved you. Man, He gave His only Son. And if you believe in Him, you won't have to perish, but you could have everlasting life. We're all called to this. Every one of us. And you are not gonna fight a successful spiritual warfare if you never put on the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace. One more verse here and then we will have to close down. I'm out of time. And that's Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. Because who would say that it's obvious the world needs peace right now? And who could also say the only way they're going to get it is the gospel? Now, there will never be total world peace. We've we've discussed that. That's a waste of time to pray. Lord, I'm praying for world peace. I'm just going to sit here and, and I'm not I'm going to fast and not eat until there's world peace. You'll die of starvation. You will flat out die of starvation. There will never be world peace. Not going to happen. But I can bring peace to a lot of people in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Romans 10 verses 14 and 15, it says... But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? Come on. How's, how are they going to hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them? How are they going to believe on Jesus if they've never even heard of Him? Verse 15 says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news or the gospel. How beautiful are those feet? And so you're called to go out and share the gospel, share the good news with somebody. And that may mean preaching a sermon. That may just mean saying, hey man, I've been there and let me tell you how I got out of it because I'm not there anymore. Jesus got me out of that situation. Let me tell you how. Listen, the opportunity is there. But I repeat before I close out, that we will never be successful at spiritual warfare unless we get the boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace on. Because the first verse we read said, put on the whole armor of God. It didn't say put on all of it except those boots. They're, those are optional. You know, they're, it's kind of some people like them, some don't. No, it says the whole armor of God. Okay? And so we got to stop here tonight. Uh, and we're going to have to cover a lot more ground next week. Amen? Did you, we, Let's go ahead and stand up. Did we learn anything?